Good, so uh, it's good to have you with us. If, um, if it does get hot, we can turn the fans on. Well, one fan, the back, um, but anyway. So last week we looked at, um, I looked at the whole thing of that prophetic picture that I felt God give us of the plant that was in a pot that needed to be taken out the pot and planted into the ground. If you are part of this church and you haven't heard that, I'd encourage you to please go on to the website and listen to that because I think, uh, and we're building it over the next while, but I think it's really key for us as a people. And so what we, what we looked at drawing the analogy of that is actually that as long as a plant stays in the pot and not planted in the garden, it is restricted and its full potential can't be reached because its roots are, are capped in that. And God's desire is that actually we grow into the full potential that he has for us unhindered in our relationship with him and with others. And so understanding that God is the perfect gardener and his timing and his placing and everything else is perfect, perfect timing for each one of us for our good and for our growth. And I want to carry on something of that this morning, not exactly the same, but picking up some of the things that came through that because I think sometimes we can understand that we, if you use that analogy, that this is where God has placed us and this is where we are. But we can sometimes still live as a plant in a pot in a garden rather than actually rooted in the garden. I know I spoke a little bit about that last week, but it's slightly different in that actually sometimes we can still think, well, I'm in the right place, so this is the, it's all good. But actually we sit limited or limiting ourselves by sitting in that same place. And um, what I feel God wants to do this morning, it's interesting some of the words that have come through and even the, the song choices has been that I, I feel God wants us to start at the point of understanding who we are in Christ. When we understand fully, or even more than we have, and ever increasing in our understanding of who we are in Christ, then we start losing those things that bind us and hold us, and then we can live in the freedom that God has created us to live in. But if we don't understand or haven't got a revelation of who we actually are as children of God, that affects everything. It affects not only our relationship with God, but it affects our relationship with others. It affects what we see in the future and how we actually work out where we are to be. Now, I understand that to some degree, we are a product of our past. What I mean is that actually everything that's gone on in our past has an impact on who we are today, whether it be good or bad. Some would say that we are a product or that makes us who we are which I, I agree to a degree, but just because it's in our past doesn't mean it determines our future. Too often we live not understanding who we are in Jesus, but understanding fully what we've done or where we've come from or what's gone on, and therefore we think, well, that's who I am. Yet we need to understand that that, that, uh, that has gone before does not define who you are or what you become or where God's taking you to. What we do in the present and how we respond to God now has more of an impact on that. And so we can either look, live looking at those things in the, in the past and thinking, well, that's just who I am, or we can understand who God has created you to be and what he's calling you to and then change and move forward. There's an incredible and simple truth in the context or in the, uh, of 
of what it means to be saved or in salvation. You see, when we, we come to Jesus and we put our faith in him and believe in him, the Bible says and uses the term, we are born again. So it says that we receive our salvation when we come to Christ and we receive the forgiveness of sin and we receive his righteousness that's given to us. And now we have access to the Father and we have an eternity with him. Our salvation is not a reward for good behavior. It's not a reward for things that we've done. So if we live our life and think, well, and this is a very common thought across the world, whether they believe in God or believe in a God, most people will think if you're good, then you'll get to wherever it is, whatever that might be, there. Where scripture tells us that the only way for eternal life is through Jesus. The only way. No matter how much we do, no matter how good we are, that doesn't determine where we spend eternity, but our faith in Jesus does. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. Often, we are super aware in, in, in our salvation of the forgiveness we have received from God. And that's right. And it's important. And if we actually understood that more, then we would live in some freedom. But that's only part of the actual truth. You see, the Bible teaches that while we were still dead in our sin, Jesus came. The Bible teaches that we had no way of coming to God. And says that he came and forgave us. But there's this, re this other reality which I believe is so important for us to understand. That when we come to God, when we bow our knee to Him, when we put our faith in Him and believe in Him and ask Him to become Lord and Savior of our lives and give our lives to Him, we are forgiven. But we're born again. And what born again refers to is we are made new. We are made new. And that's the truth. I think most believers and it's a very broad statement, need to grasp more fully. Because that, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. The new has come. Do you see why, as believers, when we understand that, it helps us when we put our faith in Jesus, understanding who we are, that the old is gone, the new has come, that actually everything in our history, when we bring it to God, no longer defines us, but He does. Yeah. You might say, well, that's a, that's a birthing in the Spirit, and then it's a new Spirit. Yes, but it is outworked in our flesh as well. Because if we, if we didn't see that, then how would this make sense? Ephesians chapter 4. It tells us about the reality of living as a new creation. Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 20 to 24. That, however, has gone a whole long list of how the world lives, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to the former way of life, so everything before salvation, to put off the old self, which, will be, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self, 
created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Scripture says that when we come to Christ, we are forgiven and we are made new. The old is gone and the new has come. And then Scripture also says that we to put off the old. In other words, stop thinking like that. Stop behaving like that. Stop allowing that to determine who you are and put on the new. Who is the new? It's what, it, what we are called and created to be in following after God, living after Him and what He says we are. I've got a document which um, you're quite happy to have. I'm quite happy for you to have if you want to let me know, which speaks about, which gives us a whole lot of different scriptures of who we are in Christ, who God says we are, individually, corporately, what God called us to do. It's because the old is gone and the new has come, and through him it's possible, and in him it's possible for us to live as he's called us to live. You see, the new is a restoration of what was lost before. If you think, just... just Bear with me. Think, think of what it was, could have been like. I know none of us really know what it could have been like in the Garden of Eden with God before the fall. I know we all think all sorts of other things, but here's some key things. Adam and Eve before the fall had unhindered, unrestricted, free access to talk with God, to commune with God. They had a sense of completeness. They had a sense of purpose. They had a sense of value. They had a sense of their destiny with God. They knew God as their creator. And then we have the effects of sin. The Bible says when sin entered, death entered. There was a physical death, but there's also a spiritual death. And the Bible tells us that we cannot pay that price that is needed. It's only through Jesus. And so when we look at our salvation, in some ways it's, it's renewing what that was, giving us back what we created, how we were created to be, with free access to the Father, accepted, loved, uh, with purpose, with dignity, with all those other things, unhindered, becoming who he's called us to be. See, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, just before what we read just now, said this, Puts it in this light, rather. They are darkened by their understanding. In other words, those who are not saved. They are darkened by their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and greed and, 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 uh, impurity and, and, and are full of greed. Goes on to say... But that was who you were, and it's not who you are now. When we look at the world around us, what do we see? Pretty much that. We see people chasing after God, or all sorts, all sorts of gods of their own making, trying to fulfill what? Some of those basic things of purpose, significance, security, acceptance. When we come to Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come, and we have that, but only through Jesus, and it requires that we bend our knee in, in submission to him, to his lordship and his kingship. You see, when we look at what the world offers, the world says, well, actually, if you perform well, if you do these things properly, if you accomplish great things, then you have significance and worth. The world says that status and wealth and recognition can bring security in your life. That appearance and admiration 
and agreeing with everybody else brings acceptance. The problem is, those are all false promises. They can never deliver. And in actual fact, it's meaningless. The only solution is found when we come to Jesus. The only solution to all of those longings of man's heart is when we come to Jesus. What Adam lost was life. What we all lost was life. What Jesus came to give was life. And life to the full. And it's only through him. John chapter 1 Verse 1 to 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Speaking of Jesus. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. John 10.10, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and in all its fullness. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus himself says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 1 John 5, 11 to 12, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, a child of God, then you have life. You have his life in us, in you, not because of anything you've done, but because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross that you've submitted and surrendered to. Ephesians chapter 2 reminds us of what we were like, but says you are no longer like that. So when you look at your past, And you look at what's gone on before, and you think, well, I am like I am because of all these things. When you come to Jesus, he says, no, the old is gone. You have been made new. New. That that stuff does not define who you are and what you to become. That stuff does not even define what you do today when we surrender to him and put off the old and put on the new. You see, somehow we have this weird concept that when we put off this, the old, we put off, well, um, if, because it says that in, in, in Ephesians, if, if you lied before, now speak the truth. If you stole, now don't stop stealing. And we kind of look at it at those obvious things of what is sinful and what is not. But I would say that it's everything. If you felt rejected, you're not. You're accepted. Not by anything you've done, but because of Jesus. So don't live like that. Allow the Spirit of God to come and bring freedom that you live as who you are, the new self. Not rejected, but accepted. Not without worth, but with worth. It's like I'm hopeless, I haven't got a destiny. In God, when you are made new, you have a destiny. It says that He knows the plans that He has for you. He turns everything to the good of those who are called according to his purposes. So you see, when we look at our past, we can look and say, well, these sins, I mustn't do that anymore. 
which is true. We mustn't. Scripture's clear. But our thinking says be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing of the word. That we would actually start thinking differently than we start looking at our past and saying, actually, it's not saying, well, that never happened. It's saying, taking it to Jesus and saying, God, I'm leaving it with you now. That doesn't define who I am. You do. God, that I would live accepted, loved with a future. Make sense? But that's why it's so important that we understand who we are in Christ Jesus. Made new. One, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, We are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. It's not the old is hidden. It's the old is gone. And the new has come. Ephesians chapter 5, which we read, was once in dar- You were once in darkness, now you are in light. Colossians chapter 1, 13 says the same thing. Romans chapter 5 says that even while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Now, for us who believe, we are a whole new being. A whole new person. That should affect how we think, how we live, how we act, how we are, how we talk, how we walk in obedience to the truth. You see, it's not just that we're forgiven, but we're forgiven and we're made new. We're forgiven, we're made new, and given His righteousness. It's not, it's, it's not a reward, it's a gift. So we take off the old and we put on the new. In other words, we take off that which is no longer in keeping with who we are. And we start living how he's called us to live. You see, if we constantly live looking at those things of the past, we're restricted in the pot. We're restricting ourselves Because Jesus has paid the price. He's paid the price for it all. Someone used this analogy once, I can't remember who it was, that if there was someone who had died and you were to bring them to raise them to life bring them to life again you'd first have to find a cure for the disease that they died of otherwise as soon as you bring them to life they're going to die again you have to bring, find a cure for that then you bring them back to life and then they live you see they use that analogy for what it means to be saved and born again see we were once dead and Jesus made us alive but he dealt with sin that caused the death he dealt with it it's done When we respond to him and are made alive again in him, we are no longer under the law and sin and death. We're in Jesus because he's dealt with that. It can't kill you again. But so many times we get saved and we live our life as if we are still slowly dying by by what has gone on before. Jesus has done it. Sin is defeated. We are forgiven and we are set free. And here's the amazing thing. Satan can't change the historical fact of what Jesus has done. He can't. The fact that Jesus died on the cross, defeated sin and death, overcame all of that, and made a way that we could come to salvation, Satan cannot undo that in any way, shape or form. But how often do we live thinking, well, maybe, in our attitudes and our thinking? That is an event that has taken place. It is finished. And cannot ever, ever be changed by anything or anyone. Ever. 
So why do we live like it is? And because of that, and our response and coming to Him and salvation, we are who we are in Him, not who we say we are or we think we are. But if the enemy can get us to believe lies, that we think differently, he can't take away our salvation, he can't change that fact, but he can sometimes cripple how we live our lives walking with Jesus. And some of those lies are tied up also with the world's approach. You see, as believers, we shouldn't be following after the things of if I accomplish this and accomplish that, then I'll have significance. Or if I'll do this and I'll do that, if I agree with everybody, then I'll be accepted. That's not for us. You see, the world tells us that we can never be free from our past and that it defines who we are and who we're going to be. Not so if you're a believer. Not so if you are a child of God. You see, when we come to Him, everything changes. Everything. And it's true for the world because they have no way of changing anything. They, They are defined by their past. And without Jesus, we are. In actual fact, without Jesus, we defined by what Adam and Eve did way in the past. Not so when we come to Jesus. We are forgiven and made new. The old is gone, the new has come. And too often we sit with this overriding identity crisis. That we are sinners that are saved or forgiven. Which is true. We are. But there's more to it. You see, if you constantly go, it's amazing how when what we think and what we speak is often where we live, in our thoughts and in our lives. If we're constantly living, I'm a sinner forgiven, I'm a forgiven sinner, I'm a sinner what? That's part truth. The Bible says, you're a what? You're a saint. You're righteous. You're washed by the blood of Jesus. You're a child of God. Now, if we would start thinking and start acting like we were saints rather than sinners that are forgiven, we would live in the fullness of that. Hear what I'm saying? Nowhere in Scripture can I see when Paul writes or anybody writes to anybody, he writes to the elders, the deacons, and the sinners that are forgiven. Jesus doesn't refer to us as sinners that are forgiven. He refers to us as saints, as children of God, of co-heirs with him. You see how we need to change how we think. Yes, we're not perfect. I get that. But we're not saved by what we do. We're saved by who we believe in and who we've surrendered to, and that's Jesus. Some would say, well, what happens with the fact that we we still mess up and we still sin? Well, we are human, but that should be as we follow him and we start living according to his way, and His. that should be a reducing thing. I don't know how else to put it. The more you should sin less. Yeah. <laughs> because actually, only those who are saved have the ability to not sin. Yes. We have the ability, we have the, the, the power to do it through the Holy Spirit because of what is done that Satan can't change. 
And if he can get you to lie, he can get you to believe a lie, it's like, well, you can't help yourself. It's like, stop believing the lie. That's part of the old that is gone and not the new that has come. Because the new that has come in Christ Jesus, we can say no to sin and ungodliness. That's what scripture says. But you see, sometimes we read that and we don't actually understand that that's for us. In 1 John 1 verse 5 to 2, uh, 5 through to chapter 2, says this. I'll read a bit, quite, a, quite a bit of that. This is the message that you have heard from me and declare to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a lie and his word is not in us. Key verse, this next one. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, the only one for, our, for ours, uh, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's the truth, so that you won't sin. But if you do, you have an advocate. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of sin and death gives, uh, uh, sorry, the, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives life and has set us free from the law of sin and death. We have an advocate. So many ask, well, what can I do to be accepted by God if I've done all of these things? Well, if you're a child of God, that's a non-question. Because you're already accepted. You don't have to do anything else. Because of Jesus, you are accepted. So as a child of God, there's nothing you can do to make yourself accepted by God. You are accepted. Because you are in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you this question. If you understand that, and if you understand that we are created new, and we have the ability to live as God's called us to live, as children, as saints of God, when you do something wrong, do you view yourself as a sinner who is forgiven in the hands of, a, of God, who, I don't know, you could think is angry? Or do you view yourself as a saint in the hands of a loving God? See, that creates a different posture within us. If I think I'm just a sinner forgiven and now I have to go to God and repent and, and now I'm at God's mercy, I'm in the hands of God who I don't know what your view of him is. Or we say, actually, I'm a saint in the hands of a loving God who's already accepted me and all I need to do is repent and come back and that re re relationship is made whole and restored, not, not as in salvation, but is brought close again. See, the, the answer to how you view that will kind of show where you position yourself and who you are before God and what your understanding is of that. And when we understand that we're saints in the hands of a gracious, loving God who only has the best for us, who has created us new, the old is gone, the new has come, who set us free, who uh, fills us with the Spirit to do and be all He's created and called us to be, that we have acceptance and significance and love and destiny and all those things, then we can walk in freedom. Then we can walk with a sense of 
God, we're following after you and, and, and we can be secure. See, all those other things have been put off because God has made us new. Ephesians chapter 4 says this when we read earlier. That's not how you learned to live, but this is how you are. Take off the old and put on the new. You were once in darkness, now you are in light. You were once enemies of God, now you have, he brings you close and you are children. So we choose to live our lives as children of God, accepted by Him, loved by Him, not defined by the past because He deals with that. And even what we do, you see some people also say, well, what you do determines who you are. That's nonsense. That's what the world teaches. And sometimes that is how we can live. But when we understand who we are and submit ourselves to Him and walk being led by His Spirit, then who we are should determine how we live. As a child of God, because I'm a child of God, that's why we, if, if you try and get upset, which is so easy to get upset with all the nonsense of the world, now, I don't claim to know different peoples and I don't get political, but if you've got upset over the last while of what is all the nonsense and the lying and everything else that's gone on in government, why? Why get upset? Because they don't know any better. They don't know Jesus. We can't expect, we can pray for them and we have to pray for them and tonight we'll be praying, but we need to pray. And we need, but actually, if we understand that the reason I live like I live is because of who I am in God. The reason I choose to be honest, to love, to all of that stuff, isn't because I'm a good person, but because that's what it means to be a believer. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ, because that's who He's called us to be. When we understand who we are called and created to be, then that should determine how we live, what we do, how we view things, what we say. That, theref- and that's possible. Therefore, dare I say, you could be slightly irritated by believers who should know better when they sin, but that's not up to us to judge, so that's God. But do you see what my pattern of thinking? Too often we get angry with the world outside because look at what they're doing. And all that should be, should be doing is driving us to our knees to pray for them because the very gospel that has meant that you, your, your old self has died and you, you are new in him, that you didn't have a hope and now you do, that you have been saved, set free, made new, made righteous. That very message that actually, regardless of how much before you had pursued something to get significance or identity or anything else, but it's only found in Jesus, that's the gospel message they need to hear. So not only is this for us to, to understand for ourselves, but it's for those things that we see. We should just send us to our knees more frequently. Of God, there's so much sin that's going on. There's so much nonsense around the world. There's so much that, but they can't help themselves. That's what it says. They were like blind guides. That they didn't, and and speaking of those who don't know him, they they don't know the left hand from their right. They don't know any better. And and they're just a product of who they are. And who they are is lost, deceived, and held captive. But not so for you and I. 
We are no longer that. We are made new in him. And because of who we are in Christ Jesus, therefore, this is how we live. That's how we are, salt and light. That's the purpose of us being here, so that we can live in the fullness of who God's created to, to live, but so that we can help them come to knowledge and understanding of Jesus so they too can be saved. See, the solution for the governments around the world aren't good leaders. It's Jesus. The solution to every war, every problem is not clever thinking. It's Jesus. Because when people meet Jesus, they change. And when you and I have met Jesus, we should be different. If we not, I have to question, do you actually understand who you are in him? That the old is gone, the new has come. You no longer that this is now who you are. So now start living as God has created you to live. In every area, if you were rejected in Christ Jesus, you are accepted. Start living in that. Do you see how this point of who we are in Christ is so fundamentally important for our entire existence? Because we can know it here, but unless we allow the Holy Spirit to come and make it part of who we are, and we have to constantly go back and remind ourselves, that's what it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because as you start behaving like that, as you start thinking like that, you go back to the word, God, this is who you are. This is who I am. That's why I have those scriptures written out. Because time to time I need to go and read them again. This is who I am. And because of who I am, then this is how I behave. When we don't understand that, we live bound. We don't live in the freedom. When we don't understand that, then we think, well, what have I got to offer the world? When you know Jesus, you've got everything. You've got everything that they so desperately need. And God's plan is that through us, they would hear the truth. And they too would be saved. Because nothing on earth or above the earth or in all creation can change what happened on the cross. Jesus died. So that every single person has the opportunity to come to him and come into salvation. Not one is, is missed from that. But how will they know unless we tell them? So if I'd say to you, this message of who you are in Christ and the things that make that so real and so important to you, how can you take that and tell them? How would you package that to your friend or your work colleague who says, just listen, I've got no hope. Or the one who's striving so hard for significance and acceptance. And you think, actually, you can just see the brokenness. Maybe you've been there. What's the solution? It's Jesus. Who knows Jesus? You. Why has God put you next to your neighbor? Because through you, they can come to know Jesus. You see, this message is so good, important for us for transformation. But it's also important for us so that we can help others come to that place of salvation. I'm going to end and I'm going to pray. But if you this morning feel that there's something of the identity of who you are in him and you've allowed those things of the past to still fashion and form who you are. 
I'm going to pray, but I'm, I'm going to encourage you, don't go home without asking someone who is in the church who you trust, who is a believer, to pray with you to see victory. Because God wants us to live in victory. Jesus didn't save us and set us free and make us new for us to go living in that way. He says, because of all of that, now this is who you are, now live in that way. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son. Jesus, that you came and you laid aside everything for us, that every single one of us could come to you because of your life, death, and resurrection. Thank you that you defeated sin and death, that you've made a way that we can come to the Father, that you've made a way that we can be born again and be new again, a new creation in you, not bound by what has gone before, not held by the things of the past, but, but seeking your face and walking in who we are in you. Lord, I pray for each one this morning. You, you the one who knows our hearts. You know us better than we know ourselves. God, you know who's sitting here this morning, who's battling with those things of who they are in you. Whatever the cause, whatever the root, whatever the uh, thinking is, Lord, I pray that by the power of your Spirit right now, right here today, that you would break those strongholds, you would break those mindsets, you would break the patterns of thinking and the lies of the enemy that have been believed over every single one, that we would be able to step into the fullness of who you've called us to be. Lord, that we would no longer be hindered or held back by what has gone before or what the world thinks or what the world expects or the lies that we've believed. But Lord, we would start to renew our minds by the washing of the truth of your word that brings freedom. And who you set free is free indeed. That Jesus, you have given us life and life to the full. And Lord, that fullness is not like the world thinks or the world sees, but it is fullness in you. Lord, I pray that each one of us would walk in that with greater revelation. And Father, that as we do that, at the same time we would reach out and our hearts would break for the world that doesn't know you. That we would make the most of every opportunity, every relationship. That we would see them come to a revelation and a knowledge of you. Not because we want notches on a belt or anything else like that, but it's because we've understood who we are because of you. And we know what humanity is without you. And our heart for them is that they would come to a revelation of you. Lord, break our hearts for those who don't walk with you. And help us to walk in freedom and fullness of life based on who we are. In you, Jesus. Thank you that it's possible through the power of your spirit who is at work in each one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. There's 10 coffee through there. If you need prayer, please find someone to pray with you before you go. If your children are through there, you need to fetch them. If they're up there, they'll come down to you. But have a wonderful rest of your day.